The reading of scripture this evening comes from the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Let us ask the Lord, whose spirit breathed out this word for us and preserved it for us in holy scripture, now to breathe upon us afresh, to grant unto us spiritual illumination and understanding, the enlightening of the eyes of our hearts, and that grace of faith by which we may receive his word for what it is, the very word of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Almighty Father, we rejoice in you and in your wonderful love beyond measure. Lord Jesus Christ, we rejoice in your grace, which has called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Blessed Holy Spirit, we rejoice in you for your wonder-working power which calls us out from death into life in Christ, that we might live as the citizens of heaven, even now on earth, to the glory and praise of your name. Amen. This is the word of God. It is written. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood. To Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, glory, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The foolishness of God 
is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let's not ever forget that. No matter how superior the intelligentsia of our culture may appear, no matter how overwhelming the powers of this world may seem, let's not ever forget that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And therefore, let us never, ever stop preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. Through this passage, the Apostle Paul contrasts foolishness and wisdom, weakness and strength, but he does this in a very ironic way. Ordinarily, we would expect the scriptures to speak of human foolishness and God's wisdom and human weakness and God's power, but in this case, it's just the opposite. Here, Paul contrasts the wisdom of men with the foolishness of God and the power of men with the weakness of God. Paul turns worldly logic on its head to make his point that in Jesus Christ and him crucified, The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Our situation in 21st century America is really not all that different from that of the Apostle Paul in 1st century Corinth. For the Greeks, salvation was found in wisdom. But Greek philosophy never would have entertained the notion that God, the incorporeal spirit, would become flesh and dwell among us, much less submit himself to a dreadful physical death. No deity in the Greek pantheon would ever, ever do anything like that. That would be foolishness. And so the word of the cross, Christ crucified, was foolishness to the Greeks. And today, the very idea that there could be only one savior of the world is foolishness to the postmodern philosophy of American culture. If there is a God, then surely there are many ways to God, and any way is just as good as another because after all, if there is a God, that God lets us set the terms of our relationship to the divine. That's a popular philosophy in the wisdom of our world today. As in Paul's day, so in ours, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Our situation is not really all that different from that of the Apostle Paul. And the word of the cross, Christ crucified, was a stumbling block to the Jews. You know what a stumbling block is. You get tripped up by it. You fall down because of it. And therefore, you're shamed by it because of the offense to your pride it causes. That's exactly what the cross of Christ was for the majority of Jews in Paul's day. 
a stumbling block, a scandalon, because Christ crucified, a crucified Messiah, was a contradiction in terms and an offense to Jewish pride. Likewise, in post-modern, post-Christian America today, the very idea that people need to be saved, need a Savior who has made atonement for their sins, <laughs> it's an offensive scandalon, an offense to their personal pride in their personal goodness. It's a contradiction in terms. Because why would a good person need a savior? The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We must never forget that. Our situation is really not all that different from that of the apostle Paul. What did he do? To those who trusted in human wisdom and human power, he dared to declare something which seemed to be nothing but foolishness and wisdom and, and weakness. The word of the cross, Christ crucified. And so must we today in postmodern, post-Christian America, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Well now, how is that? How is that the case? Well, no human wisdom would ever conceive of victory by means of disastrous defeat. No human wisdom would ever conceive of glory by means of utter humiliation. No human wisdom would ever conceive of salvation by means of a horrible condemnation. That would be... <laughs> foolishness. Oh yes, that would be that would be the foolishness of God, which is wiser than men. Yes, the foolishness of God is wiser than men because on the cross of Christ, in the death of Christ, God reconciled his wrath against sin and his love for sinners. And no human wisdom can do that. On the cross of Christ, in the death of Christ, the integrity of God's perfect righteousness was upheld, and the riches of his immeasurable mercies were poured out upon undeserving sinners. No human wisdom in the world can conceive of such a marvelous salvation in which the holiness of God and the grace of God, the righteousness of God and the mercy of God, the wrath of God and the love of God are united in such a beautiful, perfect harmony with impeccable integrity. That salvation is found only in Jesus Christ and him crucified. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. 
And the weakness of God is stronger than men because no human power has ever conquered its enemies by dying for them. The powers of this world conquer their enemies by spilling their blood. Jesus Christ conquered his enemies by shedding his blood for them, you and me and all who trust in him. And furthermore, the death of Christ revealed that the weakness of God is stronger than men because on the cross of Christ, in the death of Christ, the power of death itself was defeated and ultimately destroyed by the weakness of God in Christ. No human power has any power over death. But the death of Christ was the death of death. In weakness, he died. In dying, he destroyed death itself. Almighty God, in the weakness of Christ, swallowed up death forever. And so, yes, the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, this paradox of the gospel, this paradox of the cross, the foolishness of God and the weakness of God is a paradox which is woven into the very fabric of the way in which God has always brought redemption to his people. The foolishness of God and the weakness of God are all over the pages of the Old Testament, preparing his people for and pointing to Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's a deep gospel paradox at work throughout the Old Testament. Let's take a brief walk through the Bible. What is the first proclamation of the gospel? Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman. That's an interesting turn of phrase if you think about it. The seed of the woman would suffer a mortal wound in his heel struck by the serpent, but as he died, he would crush the head of the serpent seed of the woman? Well, now, evidently, that is a man born of woman, but conceived without the procreating power of a human father. <laughs> Foolishness. And he would then die a death in weakness, which would destroy the enemy of all humanity. That's foolishness and weakness revealed from the very beginning of God's plan of redemption in the covenant of grace. And later when the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and decided to make an end of all flesh, what did he do to preserve life on earth? He chose one man out of the whole human race, Noah, together with his family, and told him to build an ark. And what did the unbelieving world think of old Noah and his big boat? <laughs> Foolishness. But the name Noah in Hebrew means rest. And so he points us to the ark of our salvation. Who said, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. 
When God revealed his plan to form a particular covenant people for himself, what did he do? He chose Abram and promised Abram that he would make of him a great nation through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Indeed, that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars of the sky. The only problem was that Abram was a very old man and his wife Sarai had been barren all her life and was at that point beyond the age of childbearing. Abram and Sarai looked weak and God's promise seemed foolish. How are you going to get even one child out of a man who is, quote, as good as dead, Romans 4, 19, and whose wife is old and barren? Abraham and Sarah wondered the same thing. Abraham pleaded with God about it because all he could see was his own weakness and Sarah's barrenness. And Sarah laughed at God's promise because all she could see was the foolishness of it. But then Isaac was born. And his birth proved that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And Isaac's birth out of an old barren womb points us to salvation through Jesus Christ who came forth in new life out of a cold stone tomb the firstborn from the dead. When God chose a man to lead his enslaved people out of Egypt, did he choose an eloquent philosopher, a mighty warrior? Moses protested, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? You got the wrong guy. I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech. In other words, I can't do this. I am a weak man, and I really think that this is a very foolish idea. But we know the rest of the story, which reveals that the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And you know, the death of Christ, our Passover lamb, has set us free from the tyranny of Satan and our slavery to sin, and the oppression of death itself. The foolishness of God and the weakness of God, Christ crucified, is our exodus. During the time of the judges, the Israelites fell under the oppression of the Midianites, who the Bible says were like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. Gideon, managed to muster up an army of 32,000. But God didn't want his people to boast in their own strength or trust in their own power. So God reduced Gideon's army from 32,000 down to 300. That was God's battle plan. Foolishness and weakness. But the outcome of that battle proved that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And Gideon's victory over Midian was referred to by the prophet Isaiah. You remember chapter 9, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given the promised Messiah who would win the victory. He has broken the rod of his oppressor which would bring great joy and gladness to his people as on the day of Midian. You remember who 
The greatest king of old covenant Israel was. Was he tall like King Saul? Was he the firstborn of Jesse's sons after the prophet Samuel had seen Jesse's first six sons? He asked, are all your sons here? And Jesse replied, well, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. I mean, surely it could not be my youngest, a shepherd boy. But Samuel sent for the boy and anointed him as king over Israel. Foolishness and weakness. And when that young shepherd went out to fight Goliath, he wore no helmet, had no shield, carried no sword. He had only a sling and five smooth stones. Goliath mocked David because he appeared foolish and weak. But David proved that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And then, a thousand years later, great David's greater son himself won the real and final winner-take-all victory over our ancient foe. You see how this biblical principle runs throughout the Old Testament until it comes to its climactic revelation in Jesus Christ? He was born of a poor peasant virgin girl lived a life of relative poverty and obscurity, ultimately died as a condemned criminal on a Roman cross, derided as a fool, and despised as a weak man who could not save himself or his followers. The entire Old Testament leads up to reveal this very thing. The foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men in Jesus Christ and him crucified. But here's the thing, here's the thing. This biblical principle of God's foolishness and God's weakness in the accomplishment of his purposes for his glory did not stop with the death and resurrection of Jesus. You remember that after his resurrection, Jesus met with his remaining 11 apostles and gave them the great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, what exactly was Jesus saying? Simply put, Jesus was saying to 11 men, 11, 11. <laughs> Jesus was saying to 11 common Jews who had no social standing, no political power, no economic resources, and no military support, who lived under the domination of the Roman Empire. To these 11 nobodies, Jesus said, go, conquer the world. Bring the peoples of the earth into submission to my kingship. And here are the weapons for your warfare. Water, wine, bread, and my presence with you through my spirit. Sounds like, maybe, sounds like, foolishness and weakness. But, but, but here we are 
on the other side of the globe 2,000 years later worshiping Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords <laughs> because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And don't forget my fellow teaching elders and faithful ruling elders and members of our congregations. Never forget that this same principle of the foolishness of God and the weakness of God applies to us today and continues to reveal itself through us. God has called us to lead his people not because we are wise or powerful according to worldly standards. Quite to the contrary, God has called us in order to prove that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We need to remember what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. This passage is about us. God has chosen us and called us Precisely because it pleases God, it pleases God to show forth Christ crucified, the power of God and the wisdom of God through us who are foolish and weak in the eyes of the world. So be encouraged, be emboldened, do not be dismayed by the opposition we face. Do not be distracted by the machinations of this world. Do not be reacting to all the crazy stuff that's on the road ahead of us. Preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. He is the wisdom of God and the power of God. And the word of the cross, Christ crucified, is the only wisdom and the only power which accomplishes God's work in this world. So let us remember and never forget that our ministry and our mission are not about our wisdom. It's not about our human intellect, creativity, cleverness, eloquence. If we've got any, those gifts may be used for the glory of God, yes, if he pleases, but they are not the wisdom of God. And it's not about our power. It's not about the power of our personality, our powers of persuasion, or the power of our rhetorical flair, or the power of our leadership skill, or the power of our administrative abilities, or the power of our congregation's financial resources, or the power of our congregation's wonderful programs. All of those things may be good things used by God, yes, but none of them is the power of God. Christ crucified is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Preach the word of the cross. It is folly to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Teach the word of the cross. Give counsel with the word of the cross. Rebuke with the word of the cross. Comfort with the word of the cross. Encourage Christ's sheep to face their death with good cheer. 
through the word of the cross. Never forget what Martin Luther said about the Reformation. The word did it all. So let us all take heart. Be of good courage through the word of the cross and never ever stop preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. Never ever stop preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified to ourselves as we preach him to others. Never forgetting and in fact rejoicing in the fact that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And to God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, our Father, for the glorious gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray that your Spirit would work your word in our hearts and renew our minds so that we with joy and thanksgiving, might live all the more for your glory, all our days into eternity. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. amen. Dearly beloved, in response to the glorious gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith, expressed through the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number one. Dearly beloved believing Christian, what is your only comfort in life and in death? My only comfort is that I belong body and soul in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. At the cost of his own precious blood, he has fully paid for all my sins and has set me free from the dominion of the devil. He also watches over me so well that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. Indeed, all things must work together to fit his purpose for my salvation. Therefore, because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly ready 